everybody. I'm Nicole. I'm Lindsay. And I'm Sarah. And together, we're the co-founders of Whale Tales, a living library of cetacean stories. Today, we are diving deep with sperm whales. Plus, we pulled our patrons for this month's fun flipper fact. So sit back and enjoy as we dive right in. So first, before we get started, we have some housekeeping, because I guess we're an official podcast now. I don't know. That's what they call it. (laughs) Um, So as you probably have heard already on the 4th of September, it was announced that there is a new baby in the Southern Residence. J57 uh, was born to Taliqua J35, who was known, became more famous than she already was. Uh, two years ago with her dead calf and her tour of grief. And it was just announced today uh, that while the day we were recording that they did get a shot of his underside and he's been identified as a boy. So now we know. Hooray, 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 hooray. Uh, We still, according to the drone, the photogrammetry that was taken um, in the past couple of months, there's still potentially... Pregnancies, I think, in one other J female and I think a K and an L as well. So we will see what happens. The Southern residents have actually been around uh, a little bit more in September. They have been getting finding salmon in the uh, estuaries out of the Fraser. So they're eating where they used to be eating. And hopefully they will keep finding food. And hopefully we'll have three more births to tell you about at some point. They're, we've had calves in December and January before, so they are pretty sporadic with their birthing. Hey everyone, it's Lindsay breaking in for some more exciting Southern Resident news. Uh, We recorded the episode on the 23rd, at which point we talked about J57 and how he is a boy, and that's very exciting, and we talked about the other pregnant uh, females in the Southern Residence, and then today, Friday, September 25th, it was announced that J41 has given birth to a new calf who will be named J58. Um, if there are any other news items before next Wednesday, when this podcast comes out, we probably won't have enough time to sneak them in. Uh, so you can always follow us on social media to get all the news on the Southern residents, as well as citations all over the world. In the meantime, we're very excited about these two new calves, bringing the Southern resident population up to 74, which is fantastic. And we still have, I think, two more pregnancies in the Southern residents that will hopefully be successful sometime in the next couple of months. So that's great news. And on with our regular scheduled podcast. Plus, September 30th, the day that this episode is getting released, is International Podcast Day. So in celebration, we wanted to say thank you to all of our listeners and especially to everybody who has taken the time to leave us a rating or a review. Thank you so much. We love hearing from you. Thank you. It really, really makes our days slash weeks sometimes uh, every time that we get a review from any of you. So thank you again for, I know it takes time and that Mm -hmm. is really wonderful because we get like really overly excited anytime we get <laughs> feedback about the episodes. Um, and speaking of reviews, the featured animal of today's podcast has been requested a surprising number of times in reviews. Uh, we heard you, and now we are here to discuss sperm whales. Hooray! 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 Okay, so some sperm whale fast facts. They are the largest toothed predator in the world. Which I didn't realize. I mean, it makes sense because, yeah, I just never clicked onto those facts. Yeah, I don't so, think I ever thought about it predator style. But yeah, 
That tracks. In weight, uh, females can weigh around 20 tons and males can weigh 50 tons, which is insane. Uh, females get up to be about 40 feet long and males are about 52 feet long. They are found in all the deep oceans from the equator all the way up to the edge of the pack ice in both the Arctic and the Antarctic. They're, they do migrate, but their migrations are not very well understood or predictable, but that also might have to do with the fact that they're not well understood. Um, <laughs> <laughs> in the mid-latitudes, like the not the tropics or the poles, they seem to migrate north or south, depending on the seasons, moving towards the poles for the summer. But those in tropical, like so the tropics and subtropics, they don't seem to migrate, but there's not a huge accounting, I don't think, of actually individuals. This is, seem, might be more about like where they are seen at different times of the year. Uh, they eat a large variety of food, but their their primary prey are giant squid, but they will also eat deep water sharks, skates, and all kinds of fish. Uh, an adult sperm whale can eat up to a ton of food per day. Can we also just take a moment to acknowledge and do the you know, obligatory, like, what? They eat giant squid. I know. Yeah, they eat giant squid. It's and- ridiculous. Is that the National, in the New York Museum, where it has the diorama? for lack of a better word, set up of them fighting of a sperm whale and a giant squid. Like it's down in a corner because it's supposed yeah, to be really dark, dark. <laughs> because mm-hmm. they it happens really, really deep down in the ocean. And the way that the giant squid tries to like evade predation is that it like latches on to the sperm yeah. whale's head. It's so epic. And, and they've seen scars. <laughs> yeah. So they see the reason they figured this out initially was they saw sperm whale with like these giant like sucker marks on them that are like the size of dinner plates or bigger. Um, yeah, giant squid are really big. I think it's the Museum of South Australia in Adelaide, and they have a mock up of a giant squid that runs vertically and it runs, it's like next to the elevator shaft of this three story building. <gasps> it's really cool. Um, so population-wise for sperm whales, there's no exact accounting, um, but the current best estimate is that there's between 300 and 450,000 individuals. Their status is endangered, and the main current threats for them are vessel strikes, entanglement in fishing gear, ocean noise, marine debris, climate change, ocean spills, and contaminants. So So all of them, all of them. Yes, um, but they are in better shape than they have been in the past. Hey, uh, Lindsay, do you want to talk a bit more about where their name comes from? Yeah, before we get any further, we got to address the um, largest tooth predator in the room. <laughs> if you want to dig a little deeper into that ridiculous laughter, you can read Nicole's naming of things about this animal. It is for adults only. Uh, <laughs> As like more and more of my naming things are turning out to be, I don't know yeah. why that's happening. Anyway, so, you know, get your um, immaturity out of the room because these animals are actually named after a waxy substance, spermaceti, which is found in their heads. All right. The exact opposite part of their body, what you're thinking about right now. Um, spermaceti was used in oil lamps and lubricants. Sorry, there we go again. Um, and... <laughs> Candles. Like industrial I, lubricant. I know that. <laughs> oh, boy. Um, 
<laughs> and because of these uh, uses, sperm whales were target of the commercial whaling industry from 1800s to the 1980s. Whaling greatly reduced the sperm whale population, and the International Whaling Commission put a, placed a moratorium on commercial whaling in 1986. Uh, the immense forehead of sperm whales is possibly the largest and one of the strangest anatomical structures in the animal kingdom. It actually contains two large oil field compartments known as the spermaceti organ and junk. I love the difference in the names of those two organs. The guy who was writing that paper in whatever, 1849 or something, definitely forgot that he was presenting and was like, oh no! Yep. Placeholder name left in for print. <laughs> well, so when I was digging into this, it comes from whaling and they used, like, they did recognize that there were two organs and the whalers would call the spermaceti organ the case and then the other organ the junk. And then someone just decided to, like, give the case the fancy spermaceti organ and they never renamed the junk. It's horrible. Can we have a naming contest or something? <laughs> like... <laughs> so awesome can we get twitter on this <laughs> um anyway these compartments constitute up to one quarter of the sperm whale's body mass and extend one third of the total length of the whale which is insane yeah for something that's in their head um recognized as playing an important part of their echolocation uh previous studies have also attributed attributed the complex structure configuration of the spermaceti organ and junk to acoustic sexual selection, acoustic prey, debilitation, buoyancy control, and aggressive ramming. So obviously important because it's so big and it wouldn't be so big if it wasn't important. That's how animal bodies work. True. True that. And plant bodies. All living bodies. That's how evolution works. (laughs) And you can see a picture of what those two organs look like and kind of like a a cross-section, basically, diagram of the whole head structure of a sperm whale. I'm sure we'll put it on our socials and we've got a link in the show notes because it is bananas. It's you don't think about it when you look at a sperm whale, you know, if you see a picture of a sperm whale, especially an underwater picture that the whole first third, sometimes even more than that of their body is head and their brain doesn't come until their skull, which is behind all of these organs. So if you were to like look at the body of a sperm whale and think about where their brain is, it's like in the middle of their body. It's so weird. Um, and just like seeing everything that's going on in like effectively their melon, if you were to think about it more commonly, how you see it on other toothed whales, especially on a beluga, that spermaceti organ and, and the junk (laughs) and everything else going on including how they get air to their blowhole, which is all the way at the top of their like top in terms of like the front top and front end. (laughs) I don't know how to describe that, but like the the top corner of their head is where their blowhole is. So that's not even like closer to their brain or closer to their lungs all the way at the front of their body. It's pretty cool. And so while the, you know, some of the main uses of these organs around echolocation, sexual selection, really just like the bigger, the better, I guess, is probably what the, the cases are usually made for sexual selection elements of the large head. Those are pretty self-explanatory. But the buoyancy control one blew my mind. So the the organs, the junk and the spermaceti organ, are filled with oil, as we talked about, in terms of why the whalers were, were targeting them. But the amount of oil in these organs is, is crazy. It's three to four tons. 
So when we're talking about how heavy they are, three to four tons of their total weight are just coming from oil in these two organs. That's insane. Right? And the unique lipid composition of the spermaceti oil is uh, at the normal resting body temperature of the whale, about 37 degrees Celsius. Um, It's liquid. But if they lower their temperature like their body temperature just a couple of degrees that oil turns into solid so during a dive when we'll talk about diving in a second because that's another thing sperm whales are so famous for but during a dive the whale cools the spermaceti oil by inhaling seawater and that i mean obviously it's also cooler at deeper temperatures but their body temperature doesn't change that much so they actually inhale seawater in order to cool that oil so that it becomes more solid and dense changing their buoyancy oh, man. to match the density of the deeper water they're in i guess that explains why the their nasal passage like their blowholes at the very front of the body but then it doesn't go back to meet the like the rest of their uh, respiratory system like that nasal cavity goes right through the the spermaceti organ in the junk area mm-hmm. exactly exactly and then as they're going up from a dive they circulate extra blood to warm up the frozen basically like frozen or solid spermaceti oil so that it melts decreasing their density so that it matches that density of the surface of the water this is Insane. I had never heard of this before. I can't think of ever hearing about any animal doing something like this in this way. Um, and it was so, so, so cool. And there's a full paper that was published by M. Clark looking at this specific discovery around the oil in the sperm study organ and the junk. Highly recommend. It's crazy. That's awesome. So the other um, cool and unique thing, I think, about sperm whales is their extreme sexual dimorphism and extremes both in terms of physical appearance, but also like general biology. So, I mean, we're all pretty familiar with killer whales and male killer whales do look different because of their large dorsal fin than female killer whales. Male sperm whales at their full size are at least twice the size of a female sperm whale, which is crazy. And how that kind of works is that female sperm whales reach their sexual maturity at about nine years old. So they're about 29 feet long. Their growth slows, like they'll still grow slowly, but much slower. And at that point, they will produce a calf about once every five to seven years. They have a pretty typical cetacean gestation period, 14 to 16 months. And they will produce a single calf um, at a time, on a, almost all the time. And that calf is 13 feet long, roughly. Uh, the calves will nurse um, exclusively for the first year and then will do a mixture of nursing and solid food until they're several years old. Contrast this with males. So until that sort of 9, 10 years of age, males and females are about the same size. Maybe males are slightly larger. But the males keep growing well into their 30s. They don't reach their full physical maturity until they're about 50 years old, when they're 52 feet long. So their puberty is prolonged. It can, it'll can it keep going until they're at least 20 years old and probably longer. They can be sexually mature when they're around 20, but they don't generally actively participate in breeding until their late 20s, which is, I don't think, super unusual in the animal kingdom for that to happen, because like... Females are the limiting factor in mammalian reproduction. So, and the females 
like they can only have one calf every five to seven years, whereas males can have many calves every year. So the females need to sort of start sooner. But it's just it seems really exaggerated in the case of sperm whales. So that's pretty crazy. Is there Nick, did you find any evidence as to why it's so extreme? Is it literally just for look at me, I'm the biggest? That was all I could find. And that obviously isn't studied particularly well. Because, I mean, truth be told, sperm whales themselves aren't studied particularly well. Especially behaviorally. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, The crazy thing was just that I think they kind of form... What was really interesting to me, I guess, is that they are... There is evidence that sort of the teenage sperm whale males do form the same sort of like boy gangs that bottlenose dolphins form and beluga males form and you see in some other toothed whales and dolphins but in most of those other species those male groups are formed in order to give that group of males the best chance at finding a mate and they work kind of collaboratively and sometimes quite roughly um, to find a maybe not so consensual mate in some cases with some species sperm whales that doesn't seem to be the case at all the male groups just kind of go off and have fun and do you know boy sperm whale things maybe the deep diving is like because they are such big divers which Lindy's going to talk about um maybe that diving is like a really big skill that takes a long time to you know perfect you know yeah, and that's what they're maybe. doing i don't know maybe and then it's once they've spent you know sometimes up to 10 years in one of these yeah. little like boy groups that they're like okay i'm ready now i'm gonna be a loner sperm whale because it's usually at that point that they break off and the males especially become quite isolated or or solitary animals and then that's when they start looking for mates so it was it was why did they have strange. to break up their gangs <laughs> i know it's just different compared to what we see in a lot of yeah. other yeah. toothed oh, whales yeah it's very different and there and there's a it's there's entirely possibly a lot more complexity to it that oh, just yeah. hasn't been studied yeah um lindsay do you want to talk more about their diving because that's the other amazing thing about sperm whales i think so they are world-class divers they hunt for their food obviously with the giant squids and etc uh, during their deep dives, and their dives routinely reach depths of 2,000 feet and can last for 45 minutes, which is a really long time. Um, and they're also capable of diving to depths of over 10,000 feet for over 60 minutes. So that's insane. And after the long uh, deep dives, they come to the surface to breathe and recover, unsurprisingly. Um, and the way that they do that is also pretty crazy. They hang vertically in the water. I was almost going to say air, which would have been extra crazy. <laughs> extra crazy. Um, the whales are found to spend 7% of their day in these vertical sleeping positions near the surface where they nap um, for 10 to 15 minutes. So we, I think I have some photos that I can put up and they'll um, share some links in the show notes of these. So it's, they're not like nose to um they are vertical, but they do have their blowhole up. And that might be one of the reasons why their blowhole is so close to mm-hmm. the top. Um, mm, so they can sort of so passively they, breathe. Yeah, so they yeah. can breathe um, and not have to, like, swim all the way back up again to uh, and completely change position. And when you think about the volume of this, like, liquidy, low-density oil that's in the front third of their body, it makes sense that that's their, like, resting position is mm-hmm. oil up. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So it's really like I've the you can see the photos when we show them. It's a really weird thing. Like I know we've talked about um whales sleeping 
uh, in the past. And it's a very strange, complex thing, much more complex than how we go to sleep, of course, because we don't live in the water and breathe air. Um, but they've, they're like, you know, everybody else, all the other cetaceans are like, yeah, we can sleep and it's cool. We're just going to make it more complicated. And cooler looking. Yep, we're cooler looking than you guys in your resting lines. Boring. <laughs> yeah, we look like underwater forests made of whales. <laughs> yeah, they're sort of almost eerie looking. Yeah. And from the surface, you could completely miss it because oh, yeah. the part of their body that is hanging out at the surface, especially if it's a choppier day, you, you, you wouldn't see. They don't have a dorsal fin that's sticking up alongside them. It's just this really, you know, relatively, body spies speaking, small part of their body. And then it's the underwater shots of this behavior that just blow me away. That's so, yeah, eerily beautiful. Um, so the last thing we wanted to say about sperm whales specifically is that there are two other toothed whales that are named sperm whale. There is the dwarf sperm whale and the pygmy sperm whale, both specific and different species that are also significantly smaller than sperm whales like itty bitty comparatively speaking (laughs) and also really don't have that much to do with sperm whales but just like got their name and they are very cool and deserving of their own podcast so we will do an episode on them in the future and we're not going to try and lump the pygmy and dwarf sperm whales in with the true sperm whales today i know even less about them than the full-size sperm whale, so I'm looking forward to that episode also. We want to do a thank you again uh, to our patrons. It really is incredibly cool and wonderful and just the greatest that uh, those of you listening who have gone out of your way to support us on Patreon are doing that. Thank you so much. Uh, so you, if you haven't heard about our Patreon, uh, we have a Patreon at patreon.com slash whaletales. Patreon is a site where you can support uh, creators that you like the work that they are doing for as little as a dollar a month. And in exchange, you get some fun rewards. Lindsay, what are those rewards? Well, we have a bunch of different kinds and you can look at all of them uh, on our page, but they include things like merch discounts um, and a weekly newsletter full of news and updates and stories. As well as we have some watercolors. There's a logo and also a humpback watercolor painted by our very own Nicole. Um, And you can also get to vote when we do Fun Flipper Facts. What? Thank you very much to everybody who uh, is able to support us in this way. uh, And thank you for voting on Fun Flipper Facts. And if you aren't able to become a patron, we completely understand. Thank you for even thinking about it. Uh, So if you do want to continue to support us, tell people about the podcast, share it amongst your friends. And if you can leave us a rating or a review, you will absolutely make our day. So now it's time for Fun Flipper Facts. Fun, Fun Flipper Facts. Fun, fun, flipper fact, fun, flipper fact, fun, flipper fact, it's fun, flipper fact. That was really bad. I'm sorry. I don't know wow. what happened to my voice there. <laughs> it's cold season. <laughs> that is. Oh, I was unprepared for what that would do to my throat. Apologies, listeners. Uh, so, uh, speaking of our patrons, we did have a fun, flipper fact poll this uh, for this episode. So we had... The theme, if anybody guessed it, um, because I try really hard to have make these have a theme, even though if they only make sense to me, the theme was whales with weird heads. <laughs> <laughs> the bowhead whale got 11% of the vote. 
Belugas got 33, and our winner with 56% of the vote is the melon-headed whale. Spoiler alert, not a whale. Moving on, Nicole. <laughs> so melon-headed whales are awesome. Um, melon-headed whales are one of the smaller blackfish, and blackfish are all of the toothed whales that are called whale but are actually dolphin but because all dolphins are toothed whales it's just a whole big old mess but these are things like killer whale is the most famous of the blackfish and false killer whale which has probably the worst name of all of them Um, and then there's things like the melon-headed whale So one of the ways that you tell melon-headed whales apart from some of the other less distinct blackfish, because killer whale is pretty easy to identify, a lot of the rest of the blackfish, they look very similar. So melon-headed whales are most easily identified by their fins, so their flippers on the sides of their body, which, yes, I understand you're maybe not going to get the greatest look at if you're to see them off the side of a vessel, I can't do anything about that. I'm sorry. Um, But it is the fins that are primarily used to distinguish the melon-headed whale from the pygmy killer whale from the false killer whale. And also the long fin and short fin pilot whales. Whee! They're all dolphins, but they're toothed whales. It's a whole thing. So melon-headed whales, their fins look very shark-like. They are round, like concave instead of conclave. Those words just came back to me right this minute. And I'm my grade 11 math teacher, Monsieur LaFrance, would be so proud of me. <laughs> they are more concave. Oh, yeah, they're very, like, sickle-shaped, almost. Yes, thank you, Sarah. Um, And they can be up to a fifth of the length of their body. So, actually, one of the other things that sort of is common about all blackfish is they have really long flippers. Um, Killer whales are also very wide, but all of the other blackfish, they're very, very long. And in the melon-headed whale's case, they can be up to one-fifth of their body length. And then they have a very sharp tip. They're not rounded in any way. It looks very very pointy. So that's the melon-headed whale in terms of separating them from the rest of the blackfish pack. As for the thing that I have chosen to focus on for fun flipper fact today, because hopefully one day we'll actually just do an episode about blackfish uh, and we can talk a little bit more about the melon-headed whale and all of the rest of them, I am going to talk about their heads and the name in particular, melon-headed whale, because it is no surprise that they got that name for the shape of their head, but not, as some of you may be thinking, listeners, because their head looks like a melon. That is not true. It actually looks very much not like a melon. (laughs) Instead, the melon of the melon-headed whale name, si tu sais en français, c'est melon, which is a hat, a kind of a hat. In particular, it is a colloquial French word for a derby hat. Uh, Think of sort of like the page boy style hats. If you watch any, I'm trying to think of an example now, other than Newsies, because I knew you two would just laugh at me if I used Newsies as an example. Um, The I do. There's a a show that's been pretty popular in the last couple of years called Peaky Blinders. This would be another good example uh, of the page boy hat. Their head kind of looks like that. And apparently, 
although, you know, I never knew this before I started researching the name of melon-headed whale, and I have spoken French for most of my life. <laughs> Apparently the French word for that kind of a hat is a melon, and so that is why the melon-headed whale is actually the melon-headed whale in French. I guess. Silly French. Weird, weird, weird world we live in with the names of animals. Uh, I also wanted to touch on their scientific name, which in 1966, so pretty recently, is when this species was described and given a scientific name. Oh, pronunciation is hard. Peponocephala. Peponocephala. Ooh, that sounds fun when you say it fast. Peponocephala, which comes from the Greek pepois, meaning mellow, again, melon. <laughs> so not the French here, meaning melon, because they didn't do their research, and cephal, meaning head. So really, peponocephala is melon head, but this time for an actual melon, even though that's not what their head <laughs> looks like. And that's your fun flipper fact about melon headed whales. They don't have melons for heads take-home message. Uh, and next up, Lindsay is going to share with you a sperm whale whale tale from our Whale Tales archive. Yeah, so in March, the end of March 2018, we actually had a very rare um, encounter with, sperm wh- with a sperm whale in the Salish Sea, just off of Stewart Island. And we have two stories uh, on our website about the sperm whale whose name is Yuck... Yakusum, which I remembered there's a reason as to why that they, we gave him that name in 2018. Made perfect sense. Now, can't remember. 2018 was like 100 years ago. Um, <laughs> um, so we have two different stories, from one from Gary, one of our regular storytellers, and one from Skylar. And they both have uh, some great photos and videos. And basically, all the whale-watching boats ended up getting the call that um, the sperm whale was around. And they all went over and... Uh, in accordance to the guidelines. Um, but they all dropped their hydrophones and they all got to listen to him echolocate for 20 to 30 minutes while he was diving, which is so cool. Um, and then in pure sperm whale fashion, he just sat at the surface for 10 minutes and they just got to watch him. And then he fluked. Um, and then Gary went and saw the Southern residents. So it was a pretty crappy day for Gary. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, this was a huge news for everybody in the whale watcher community in the Salish Sea um, that spring, uh, seeing a sperm whale up here. I don't know. I know that they are seen further off. We have a story from Jackie when she was out uh, way, way out off the shelf and she had a Mm. bunch of sperm whales encounters, but no, they're never this close to us. But Gary's um, story did say that he was in a thousand feet of water, but, um, so he was obviously out there and then came back in earlier, came back in later. Um, but yeah, it was just a super rare encounter. We had two people that were lucky enough to see him, um, which is incredible. We also have over almost 50 sperm whale stories on our website, a bunch from Western Australia and the Azores and uh, from Jackie, as I said, and some other places because sperm whales are found all over the place. Um, Ashley, our storyteller who was on last week, saw them in Norway um yeah sperm whales are cool but just like the beaked whales i think we've told this encounter the deep dive stories um you see them and then they dive for a real long time Mm -hmm. and sometimes that's a really 
boring kind of whale watching. <laughs> it's very exciting to see these animals. Short term exciting. Yes. <laughs> so, so that's those stories. Um, and now we're going to talk a little bit about um, some quick calls to action. I do have a quick one before we get into our main one, and that is about voting. Um, I don't, as you may know, if you live in BC, we have a provincial election coming up at the end of October. If you are feeling wary about voting in person, you can request a mail-in ballot. I did it this morning. It took me two minutes. So we will link to that in the show notes. If you are in the States, you may know that there's an election. (laughs) As I saw it today, there's an election happening now. It's not coming up. It's over at the end of, in the beginning of November. So please do that. Um, I'm going to link to Hank Green's How to Vote in Every State, you two, because I know nothing about how to vote in America, obviously, because I can't. Um, But if you are there, please do. Um, And also, if you can vote in wherever you live, whenever it's time, please do. Um, Yay, voting. I love voting. We all joke about how 2020 is a dumpster fire, and I'm never going to say that it's not. But COVID and climate change, don't give a rat's ass about the Gregorian calendar. This isn't going away. So vote. It's the best way to let your voice be heard and hopefully fix something. Um, And now on to our less dark and more (laughs) spooky CCA. (laughs) Yay, yay, yay. Obviously, Halloween might, depending on where you live, look a little or a lot different than usual, probably, hopefully, no Halloween parties. I have no idea what happens with trick-or-treating or, like, anything, but... I saw a thing that's, like, a big, long drop thing where you stick the candy in and then it zooms down. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, just throw, throw candy at kids on the street. Um, yeah, but, like, I don't know. I work from home. I'm on video meetings. I could have a costume from the waist up. Seems like an easy way to have a easy at-home costume without having to leave my house. Um, I'm sure there's lots going to be lots of cool things to do. My thought would be to make it more environmentally friendly and sustainable in other ways. Uh, dig around your house. Do you have any old costumes that you could repurpose? Make like kooky and 2020 themed? Also, if you're not leaving your house, you might be able to get away with um, techniques and materials that you wouldn't normally be able to take outside. <laughs> like toilet paper rolls or paper, things like that, that wouldn't make it if you had to leave your house. But if you're just sitting at your desk, who knows what you could do? Mm-hmm, except don't waste the toilet paper. Unless you're, no, 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 I meant the empty roll. The yeah, empty roll. Unless you're going as toilet paper as an homage to 2020. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Or like toilet paper rolls, paper mache made out of the flour that was really hard to get. Mm-hmm. Remember when that was a yeah. thing? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Who knows? Um, yeah. So like look around what you've got in your house might be a good excuse to repurpose something for fun before you um, get it out of your house permanently. Um, yeah. Just try not to buy something new just for the sake of Halloween, see what, see how you can express your creativity through reusing and recycling. And if you happen to live with other people, be they roommates or partners, uh, an idea that my husband and I have had, which I'm not sure that he is willing to follow through on, but if he does, I'll see if he's also willing to share a picture with the internet, um, is swap clothes and go as each other. <laughs> Because that requires absolutely no shopping except going through your partner or roommate's closets, which could be a lot of fun. 
And then you can do fun impersonations and that's fun for days. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I also just saw a photo of like a five-year-old boy dressed as Bonnie Henry. So <laughs> yes. adorable. And also just his mom's business clothes. So, <laughs> so cute. If you have found some things in your home to use to make your Halloween costume, we would love to see the images. And especially if you are putting together an ocean themed or even, you know, a whale themed Mm. costume, I'm going to see what I can get going on in that area. Uh, Tag us on social media and try and use the hashtag homefoundhalloween because we'd love to see what you found in your home to create your own Halloween costume. Yay! Overall, we just love hearing from you. And of course, we would love to hear your thoughts on this or any episode. So please do visit our website, whale-tales.org, and find links to our various social handles so that you can drop us a line. You can also tweet at us directly. I am FHG07. Sarah is Sarah K. Given, no H. And Nicole is Nick F. Can, C-A-N-N. You can also head to our website to subscribe to our podcast, check out our merchandise, and learn about supporting us and becoming a patron. While you're there, you can read over 900 whale, dolphin, and porpoise stories. The 900th story got posted today. It's very exciting. We're at 903. Ooh, my goodness. Because I had people sending in stories as I was putting them up today. It's crazy time (laughs) over here. And of course, if you have seen a citation, we, in particular, Lindsay, (laughs) wants your story. All of us want your story and we'd love to add it to our library. Click the share link on our site or contact us on social media at whaletales.org or email us a voice memo and we could feature your voice memo in a future episode of the podcast. We want to hear all about your incredible encounter. That is whale-tales.org. Tales like the stories, not tales like the animals. Thank you again for listening and for supporting us. We will be back on the last Wednesday. Wednesday of next month with more fun facts and whale trivia. Thank you so much, everybody. And of course, have a whaley great day.